Hello, folks. This is Dave Thompson. I am a tenured professor of the cleaning industry. I am the director of the Academy of Cleaning Excellence. And also, I am your host for this podcast, Beyond Clean with Ace. You know, getting people in the cleaning industry to talk <laughs> is pretty tough to do. But uh, the Center for Education Safety has, well, worked with us, and we're doing a series of podcasts. Now, you'll find this on the Missouri School Boards Association website. It's right here. You can see it if you're listening to the podcast. Sorry. Uh, you'll just have to go to their website. Uh, that is mobsa.org, and you can find these podcasts there. Now, it's going to be under this uh, training tab right here, and then you'll scroll down to the webinars, and you'll find our series is going to be right down in here. Now, as such, I'm going to introduce you to one of the guys that has been talking with us, and if everything works right, there's a picture of him. Do we have audio, Luke? I can hear you fine, Dave. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing good on this end. Good. Uh, the last time we talked, we were, well, close to you and far from me. So now we're close to each other, but far apart. Exactly. So uh, Luke, tell everybody that maybe hasn't listened to the podcast before who you are, what you're doing, and why are we talking today? All right. Well, my name's Luke Gard. I'm an environmental hygienist and in charge of our Healthy Schools program here at Children's Mercy Hospital. We have an environmental health program where we go out into home schools and daycares and we assess the environments and then make recommendations um, to improve those environments, which should ultimately improve the health of the occupants as well. And we've been working with the Missouri School Nurses Association, Missouri School Plant Managers, and the Missouri School Board Association over the last probably 18 months on a variety of initiatives, um, basically focused on making sure our schools are as healthy and as safe as they could be, particularly during COVID-19. So, Luke, indoor air quality is what we've been talking about. You've been doing this for a while. Uh, we actually have worked together on a number of different things over the years. Uh, but not actually together. We just didn't know that we were working with the same people. Um, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, so, uh, folks, if you've been not listening to the podcast, I have uh, spent a lot of my time in Missouri, uh, 35 years, but I now reside in Florida. And so while you hear that conversation, this is what we're referring to. You know, the thing about it is, Luke, last time we talked, we were talking about food and kids and uh, they use it in the classroom, cleaning it up. Uh, and then I think there was something that was referred to as a protein drink. Well, yeah, I had a custodian just when the walkie-talkie call would come across, rather than saying somebody threw up, they had a protein shake spill. So that was always the, that was always the code word on the walkie-talkie from the office or the nurse's office that, that there had been an accident. So... A protein shake. I'm sorry, a folks. I got shake, that wrong. A protein shake spill. So it sounded a little better than the alternative, I guess. Uh, okay. But you know what? When it comes to custodians, uh, you and I both kind of have a soft spot. Definitely. And I think um, I got the good fortune of seeing your presentation when we were down at the Missouri School Plant Managers Association. And it really just got 
got me to thinking about some of the rock stars of cleaning and of custodial work that I've actually seen over the 15, 16 years of actually working with custodians in schools on a daily basis. And so I thought it was just a good opportunity to maybe talk about a couple of the innovative solutions or ideas um, that I've seen some of those creative custodians kind of come up with to address issues in their buildings. Now, folks, what he's talking about is uh, when we were at the Missouri School Plant Managers Association meeting here a couple of weeks ago uh, in Branson, I had the opportunity to present the Rock Stars of Cleaning program. And the first session is recognizing your rock stars. Uh, by the way, as you're listening, we're still taking nominations for this year. So get those nominations in, rockstarsofcleaning.com. Um, Luke, not everybody is a rock star of cleaning. However, they can do some right things. And I think that's what you're talking about today. Give us a little bit of a more of a clue. What, what are you thinking about? Well, I think the first thing, and I think you and I talked about this kind of before we came on the air, I think so much of it is just, you can tell those custodians that really care, that really care about the kids, that really care about the impact that they have on those people's lives and realize the impact that they have on those people's lives. And I think a lot of times we refer to as, oh, just the custodian, but I, I never do that. Um, they're, they're on the forefront of making sure we come to school every single day and have the healthiest and safest day that we possibly can. And uh, I, I equate it with um, basically we have 500 kids walking into a school, bringing in contaminants. And at the end of the day, our custodians are trying to take those same contaminants that those 500 kids brought in. They're trying to get them back out of the school to start fresh the next day. So it's a real, real challenge. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're taping this now and, uh, you know, here the first couple of weeks of October. Uh, there's a certain season every year that we're getting ready to get into. And if you don't think that custodians are important, just think about that flu season that's getting ready to hit your community. Uh, you know, Kyle, as long as I've done this, I recognize that one third of a community goes in and out of a public school every single day that it's open. We impact the health of the community. What impacts their, the, the, the breathing, the indoor air quality of those students that we as custodians that could be working with? Well, I think some of them are related to indoor air quality, but I'll be honest with you. One of them in particular protects the custodians in and of themselves, which right. I am a huge advocate of. Okay. And then really a lot of these are just good practices to make sure that that custodial supervisor knew that the job was being done right, was done to a certain standard that they felt comfortable with. Okay, so, folks, get out, get out your pencil and paper because I feel a list coming on. Yep. So the first thing, and again, to me, I, custodial health is just a foremost concern. Um, if you look up uh, professional asthma rates, um, custodial, custodial staff are, I think, third or fourth. When we look at occupational asthma rates, they're exposed to a lot of chemicals, a lot of chemicals being used frequently. And as a result, they end up with high rates of occupational related asthma related to their job. And so one of the things that concerns me is how to protect them. And if you've been in schools for a long time and you've spent any time at all in a custodial closet, 
one of the things you realize is oftentimes there's not good ventilation in there, particularly good exhaust ventilation. So with that being said, I've even seen holes punched in the ceiling as, as your exhaust vent. Um, but one of the concerns that I always have is basically a custodian being there early or late at night when nobody else is in the building and maybe being overcome with odors or having a challenge that way. So one of the things that I always encourage all of our custodial staff to do in trainings that we offer is to basically have the most updated SDS sheets right on the inside of every custodial closet door. So if something were to happen to them and they're found laying on the floor right there, literally the safety information, the emergency information would be on that open door right above them so that we could treat them in case of an emergency. That's also applicable when we talk about any spills or other emergencies that occur in the building. All you have to go to is the nearest custodial closet and you have those procedures for cleanup, um, for evacuation or any of the other things related um, to any hazards that may be associated with that spill. So you would agree with me that I am not one of those people that believe that uh, whenever somebody says, oh, we don't have to do that. We've got it on our computer. We get it from the site. You know, my point is that's not at the site of use. That doesn't protect my custodians. Exactly uh, right. Exactly I right. I, I remember going to a school there in Missouri. Uh, this has been a number of years ago, of course, but uh, I, I said, I'm here to do an audit of the building and I'd like to see the safety data sheets. 20 minutes later, they found them. Um, well, and we were just doing a pre-call conference before this meeting, before this webinar, and one of the attendees had five minutes of technical problems. So if you're looking for an SDS sheet or information, any delays can be life-threatening. Absolutely. There's not that time for that. And so for me, you're literally talking about 12 pages on the Xerox machine or the copy machine to have good safety information right in that custodial closet for the chemicals that they use on that routine basis. Okay, so I wanna follow that up along. How often should that then be updated because people change products? I would, we typically recommend on an annual basis. And if you know a product change, like if you're changing product lines, obviously you would wanna do it then as well. Yeah, uh, but you're exactly right. Products can be added or deleted kind of from our daily use um, routine. And you're right. I would at least say every year, if you can do it more often than that, that's great. Um, but at least every year should keep you fairly up to date on that. Now, now folks, as Kyle was saying that, don't get the th the thing uh, feeling or that that misconstrue that what we're saying is take everything out. Uh-uh. Because you as well as I know, uh, Luke, that <laughs> custodians hoard chemicals. And just because well, it's not, not, not because we're purchasing it today, but... It, there's a supply closet. I guarantee it's still got that product in there five years later. Or maybe 10 or 15. And, <laughs> and again, I think some of this has to do with the age of our custodian, how long they've been in that building, and also some of the challenges that they've seen with their budgets over the years. Because I think a lot of that hoarding comes from the fact that there have been times when they weren't able to get what they needed or didn't have what they needed. And so now it becomes something when you have it available, you make sure you have it and you're going to store it. And I, I think we would both agree it's not an ideal situation, but you can sort of understand how that habit was created. You know, and, and I think back to our rock star part of this, the person that is a rock star custodian that you and I always talk about is the one that knows that a product has been changed, knows that the safety data sheets are there 
and they're probably the go-to person whenever an incident occurs. Well, and hopefully they're in the building. But again, this goes to what if that lead custodian isn't in the building? We still want those resources available for maybe even our less experienced people just in case of that emergency situation. What are we going to do when that unexpected thing happens? So um, the first letter in custodian is communicate. And what you and I are talking about right here is communicating the importance of that safety data sheet. I want to flip this over now because... Whenever I was uh, with Missouri uh, working on the green cleaning laws a number of years ago, one of the things that stuck in my craw was letting everybody bring in anything they wanted to because um, somebody thought that that cleaner or that wipe or that air freshener worked well at home. Well, the school board association actually develops policies for school boards that can be adopted wholesale. And now in Missouri, and I, again, I, I think the green cleaning recommendations, if I'm in, I think I'm correct, they came out in about 2009. Does that sound about right in Missouri? Okay. Yes. So subsequent to then the Missouri school board policies, they've really put two policies in there. One of them focused primarily on the concern that you just expressed, which is outside staff, those teachers bringing in these chemicals from home um, that they would like to use to supplement or add to what the custodial staff is doing. There's all sorts of problems with that. First of all, most oftentimes when I see staff doing that, they do the spray and wipe, which means that they have not read the instructions on the bottom. And there is a dwell time or residence time for that product on that surface for it to be 99.99% .99 effective against the bacteria. So there's that concern. And then if you have a, a chlorine-based chemical line or an ammonia-based chemical line, let's say you have an ammonia-based chemical line as your school cleaning products, if you are introducing that, that chlorine to those surfaces where ammonia has been applied earlier in the day, you can have micro reactions actually taking place at those desktop surfaces that becomes a significant exposure hazard. I, I know of a case where they were using a wet wipe. I'm not going to mention the name of the, the brand, but it was a chlorine-based wet wipe, and somebody uh, spilt an acid in the science lab on top of that right after that wipe, and here we go. And, and these, are, these are those exposures you're talking about, but yeah. folks, I think... I, I, are we rolling into number two or is this all? Yeah, we can roll into, yeah, we can roll into number two. So number two is just this was an innovative custodian that to me, I thought managed moisture in a building that had an 18 year old roof on it. So he had a, he had some challenges. It, the roof was at the end of its lifespan, but he had a really innovative way to help not only the roofers, but his maintenance people understand what was going on. So if you can just imagine the drop-down ceiling, you have that drop-down ceiling tile that's gonna have a stain on it. When we remove that tile and we're gonna replace it, what he would do is he would lay that tile on a desktop and he would take his new tile that he was getting ready to put back up and he would draw a silhouette of that stain on the oil, old tile onto the back of the new tile. So you don't see it in the room, it's not visible. And then he would put the date that he was changing that tile on there. So if we were back there three days later, his maintenance people knew that we had an active leak, something that was happening routinely that needed to be addressed. If we were back there every 15 months, it was maybe an intermittent issue where the wind just blew the right direction and maybe blew some wind into a connecting point or an opening that allowed moisture to come in. 
But by doing that, he really understood the moisture dynamics of his building, the challenges that were happening on a daily basis and then on a less routine basis as well. And it communicated great information back to the building maintenance staff and also to the roofers. Um, and fortunately, he was able to get a new roof about two years after that. But um, that was a really great way for him to manage moisture in his building and help the people that were trying to make the repairs understand that this is a frequent issue. It's happening pretty frequently in this particular area, or it's more of an infrequent issue. And they could prioritize things based on that kind of help and assistance. So we had a rock star custodian that was an abstract artist. He was an abstract artist, and you don't have to be a very good artist when nobody's looking at it. So um, it, it, does, it doesn't hurt. You, you, so. you said he got a new roof in a couple of years. I guess they got tired of all those abstract in the ceiling. Exactly. Right? Or they just got tired of all the maintenance calls. So, no um, so really, let's hope it was on the preventative maintenance list and it was scheduled for a new roof at 20 years. <laughs> but um, we know sometimes that can be a challenge as well. Um, Number three. The third thing that I kind of wanted to mention, just from, again, Rockstar custodian perspective, and I've seen more than probably a dozen of these over the years, but a lot of times the district's ability or the facility's ability to repair a moisture issue, sometimes a part may take longer to come in. There's there's some issues with something happening, getting a service person out there or whatever, and I've really seen some brilliant temporary moisture um, prevention strategies used, whether it's pans on top of a drop-down ceiling to catch intermittent moisture to keep from wetting that tile, mops being used to block doorways, the bottoms of doorways in subterranean stairwells that, you know, get clogged up with leaves, and then that water starts to come in. Um, I've just seen some really, really good strategies that custodians have used to, again, prevent maybe a couple hundred gallons or some some issues from happening on that temporary basis, but that could have long-term indoor air quality um, ramifications when we talk about fungal growth, not drying things properly, et cetera. You know what? I can, I can just see people listening to this podcast starting to send us all kinds of pictures, Luke. Well, and I have a few. I wish I had more of them prepared for today, but I've got the mops down on the, the basement doors there. I've got the pans where you take the pictures up in the plenum. Um, custodians well, hey, are- Well, send them to me and we'll make I sure- I will that try we get to get them, them to, to you. For this podcast so that people can look at it. Now, folks, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see what we're doing, but I'll throw those pictures in the show notes. If you're looking at the video, maybe by the time we get this produced, I'll get them in there. See, this is what a podcast is all about. We learn things together. Um, that's three of your list of how many? I've got two more to go through if you've got okay, a couple right. more minutes, Dave. The next one, and I think this is just really, and to me, this showed how much this custodian cared because it really goes to the heart of what is clean. Um, this was a custodian that had a lot of turnover due to the neighborhood that his school was in. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot of staff turnover. And he had some Hispanic speaking people that would routinely be part of this turnover. And one of the things that was always a challenge to him, he did not speak Spanish, but one of the things that was always a challenge to him was the communication in regards to cleaning the restrooms and what equipment to use for certain parts of the restroom. And he came up with a brilliant way 
to, I think, again, just eliminate some language barriers. And basically what he did is he was able to spray the handles on the brushes that were used in the bathrooms. The red-handled ones that he spray-painted red, those were only used on the toilet, period. That was it. The yellow brushes or urinals. The yellow brushes could be used elsewhere in the bathroom on sinks, windowsills, mirrors, faucets, everywhere else. But by spray painting the handles and having them understand which colored handle was used for which kind of uh, device in the restroom, he felt so much more confident that that bathroom was being cleaned and that the surfaces that were really supposed to be cleaned, those ones that we're using for hand washing, um, the paper towels, the hand dryers, he felt really, really confident that they had done a good job cleaning with that, what we would call the cleaner brush. Well, I could follow that with a whole lot of things, Luke. <laughs> I could tell you over my years, one of the things that has, uh, uh, you know, now I'm not an advocate of brushes, folks, but uh, uh, not going there. And this was 10 years ago, Dave. Yeah, so we, right. we, may, we may be in different techniques and technologies now, the Kyvax and some of those other things, but. <laughs> but but to, to your point, you know, we the, the cleaning industry has used a white bowl swab for decades. You know, it's a little cotton fuzzy on the end of the plastic mm -hmm. handle. Um, and what always just eats me alive is whenever I see somebody with one of those in a bucket of so-called disinfectant cleaning the sink or cleaning the water fountain with it. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so one of the things that I teach in the classes here at the Academy on Luke is red, because we're all using microfiber these days, or most everybody, I don't, uh, most, not, I don't mean everybody, everybody, but most everybody most is everybody. used to it or we're trying to do something towards that. Right. And, you know, I teach red microfiber only in the restroom. Back to your communication point, yep. the, the first letter in, in, in uh, custodian um, is communicate that red is the only microfiber used in the restroom. I don't care what you're cleaning. I don't care whether you're cleaning the mirror, the wall, the floor. If that's it being used the in there, it's only red. Yep. If you see red on the water fountain, folks, don't use that water fountain. And I would agree with you. I mean, we really, really have to not over overcome some challenges as supervisors, which one of which would be a language barrier, but also just the importance, the understanding or conveying the importance of what clean is in this area versus what clean is in that area. And I think what we're both talking about here is a way to ensure that that happens. Right. And, and as you said, you, you know, you, you communicate a number of different ways. And I think you brought up a good point is, you know, and we talked about it in the, in the custodian program is we're working with five different generations, not alone the language barrier you're talking about. So using a standard, I think is what you and I are communicating here, whatever that standard is. But I think uh, but we both agree red is hazard. Yes. Not, you know, and we're not saying, folks, that you're using the same red microfiber for everything in the restroom. That's not what we said. We just said you always use red microfiber. You can use 20 different red microfibers. But those red ones don't get clean, don't come out and clean the lunchroom table. Or the drinking fountains, as you as you pointed out. <laughs> okay, number five. Okay, and this is my last one. And this would really, this person to me, just as a custodian in general, 
she would qualify for this rock star um, application that you're talking about. This woman um, went into, a, again, a challenged community, um, low-income community, a lot of custodial turnover, and she did. And some of these things I, I know the listeners are going to literally laugh at, but if you think about it and you've spent enough time in the custodial industry and seen what we're talking about, you will know the benefits of some of these measures that she took. Oh, boy. But to give you an example, one of the things that she did, and then I'll get to her overall kind of program that she had instituted in the school, but she would do things like draw mazes or bullseyes on the boys' toilet urinal mats. Um, and again, if you think about it, it's just making sure that those young kids are aiming where they should be aiming. Um, she obviously did that when they were coming out of the box, brand new. She didn't do that, you know, a week later, but she put those in there and that gave those boys something to aim at. And I guarantee, and I know it from being in that bathroom, those floors were cleaner around the urinals than other elementary school classrooms or bathrooms that I had been in. Now, the thing that she had done that just, I thought was just the most brilliant thing is she started out doing this on her own with the with the principal's permission, and eventually the principal ended up supporting her on this, this effort. But what she did is she had basically a golden dustpan she had spray painted, and the classroom would get the golden dustpan if over the course of the month, their classroom was the cleanest based on the custodian who was cleaning that room, just based on their objective kind of opinion of how clean things were, how dirty things were. At the end of that month, if you were awarded the golden dustpan, the custodian would actually do a cake and ice cream party for that particular class. So they were rewarded for being clean. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier here, Dave, and I think when you talk about five generations of custodians being in a building, all of those generations have different ideas of cleaning and different ideas of clean. Oh, and yes. So I think one of the things that if we can teach our kids that aspect of responsibility at an early age, I think that's just it, 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 it's just a life responsibility thing. It's a courtesy thing. And I'll throw this out there. If I'm cleaning up my room at the end of the day because I want an ice cream party, I am I going to be more or less likely to throw something on that floor during the day if I'm going to have to pick it up later on in the afternoon? I, I think it teaches good behaviors. I think it teaches responsible behaviors. I think it teaches uh, clean behaviors. But the when the when the principal saw the success that this had just in the overall cleanliness of the school, and this was across all the classrooms because this became a competitive thing, he actually started supporting those classroom ice cream parties and was basically doing that with a school budget. So the golden dustpan actually became what was supported as a school program. Um, and again, just that type of dedication and that kind of forward thinking, not only just because it benefited her custodial staff, but she was really teaching kids to be better human beings at the same time, being better people. And it just was one of those amazing things that I just really wanted to share with you, especially 
after I had the opportunity to enjoy your presentation at the Missouri School Plant Managers Association. I really, really liked it. And I've seen those rock star custodians. And I just wanted the opportunity to tell a couple stories about some of those, some of those great things that I've seen them do. You know, I could, um, and, and as you said, years ago, because I've been away from Missouri now seven years, but uh, this was probably 10 years ago, Cuba Public Schools had the Golden Plunger. Oh, <laughs> and that's a little was, more interesting, but and, I and, like and, it. And on the other hand here, it was for the restroom that was kept the tidiest and they were, this was a competition between, and, and, and as you know, when you mentioned restrooms earlier, uh, you know, we've got elementary, they're, they're not the same. The little kids use it nope. differently uh, all the way up to the, and what started as something in the elementary grew to the middle school, which grew to the junior high, uh, but the high school never could do that. But you they're know, this all, is, they're all adults there, Dave. They don't need a they don't need a golden plunger award. So, but you but you were right. This is the way things happen, and this is part of the Rockstar program, folks. There's nine personality traits that we've identified in the Rockstar program. It's not about all doing these things, but typically, the Rockstar custodian that you would nominate in the program that Luke is talking about would be the person that is doing these types of things as part of their job. They're thinking innovatively. They're taking their job and almost taking it to another level. Um, and again, I always think anytime you can save resources, if I have a custodian, if we move the trash cans out to the hallway and he, does, he or she doesn't have to walk in and pick up three trash, trash cans in a classroom, that's more time for them to wipe surfaces down. That's more time for them to vacuum. That's more time for them to do other things. So anything that we can do to save time for our custodians, I think is has a benefit to all of us that occupy those buildings. Now, Luke and I could talk for hours on this subject. I know that both of us, and I know all the history that we have. One of the things I want to come back to though, Luke, is this series of podcasts is about indoor air quality. And I think what you're talking about here, all the way from the chemicals that we're using to the strategies to keep that 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 classroom or that uh, restroom healthy, indoor air quality, and as a past asthma sufferer, currently COPD, asthma is triggered by all of what you and I have just talked about for the last 30 minutes. Asthma is an environmental disease. So what is in, in your environment can definitively trigger um, a, a, an onset of an asthma attack. And it just depends on what your specific triggers are. Um, all of us have different ones. Um, but again, when we manage the, the building from a chemical standpoint, when we manage the, the building from a moisture standpoint, we keep humidity levels contained, we control moisture issues, things like that, where you don't have the fungal, the bacterial growth, um, some of those other things, you are improving indoor air quality in that building. And folks, what a lot of people don't realize, and we teach this in our infection prevention classes here, is dust is one of the most major car carriers of all of these allergens that we've talked about, whether it be the, the stuff that's chemistry, the moisture, uh, whether it be what was in that classroom because everybody threw things on the floor 
it doesn't matter. All of this dust is stirred up and dust gets in the system. And folks, I got to tell you, if you don't know what's in dust, take and go to the dictionary, go in there and find out what's in dust. And I think you're going to be, well, horrified to be truthful. <laughs> That's a good word. I, I was searching for the right one. I had uh, another no, one. It, it can be horrifying. Um, it's, but you understand we've been breathing this stuff in for years. A, a normal dose of it is not unhealthy, typical. It, it you know, strengthens our immune response. But what happens is, is when we don't care for and clean and maintain spaces effectively, then these things accumulate and then they can start to have an impact. And unfortunately, yeah, well, you're not talking about making a clean room environment. That exactly. I agree with you. Grade, uh, you know, sterilized. We're just talking about healthy places for students to learn. Yep. Live, learn and play. Exactly right, sir. Um, where can they get hold of you? Where can they learn more? Uh, how can they get some of these tips? What well, in the state do? of in the state of Missouri, you've got the Missouri School Nurses Association, which is actually doing a Missouri Teams pilot program um, on infection control in schools that primarily started out of the COVID project um, and COVID nineteen. Um, you've got the Missouri School Plant Managers Association as well, um, which is focused on. They've come up with an IAQ checklist during COVID nineteen, and both um, Dave and I uh, presented at that conference a couple of weeks ago, and we're there to again share the expertise and the knowledge um, and the networking of people who are um, active, kind of in the the role of facility manager. And then Amy Roderick, um, whose group is sponsoring this particular podcast um, with the Missouri School Board Association Center for Environmental um, Education Safety, um, she again would be another great person um, to reach out to just as far as for the things that we're doing. I work at Children's Mercy Hospital um, in Kansas City, and I also represent the Midwestern Pediatric Environmental Health Specialty Unit, or PESU, P-E-H-S-U, which is basically funded by the EPA and ATSDR. Um, it has a network of epidemiologists, pediatricians, um, toxicologists that's focused, you know, down to the, the individual level, but also up to the community level when we talk about environmental issues or disasters. Um, so there's all sorts of resources available in the state of Missouri and um, feel free to reach out to me or any of the other people um, or, or organizations that I've mentioned here um, if you have any other further questions or need further information. Folks, if you've listened to this podcast or any of other our podcasts that we do here at Beyond Clean, um, we never know what we're going to talk about today. I was real happy that we're going to talk about Custodians and Rockstar program because that's kind of... Uh, it just makes my heart feel good when we take care of those frontline people that are challenged every day, day in and day out. We don't know enough, or we don't speak enough about what they do. Um, Luke, we're going to have some other people on another uh, series of podcasts. Uh, I think we're going to talk more about cleaning and um, some health issues and some facility management stuff. So I think we've got some more exciting topics coming up. I think we got some nurses lined up too. I think fingers crossed. That's what we're hoping for. <laughs> Okay, so folks, uh, please stay tuned to this channel. You can find us on theacademyofcleaning.com. We'll have this uh, podcast there. You can also find us over on Podbean. Uh, we're at beyondcleanwithace.com. And as Luke said here for the Center for Education Safety, 
Uh, you can find it there on uh, their webinar listings. Luke, thanks for uh, being here with me today and talking about custodians. We'll do it again. Thank you for letting me tell a couple of stories. And I just want to thank you again for, like we just talked about, just supporting sometimes an under underserved and unsung group of heroes in our schools. So I appreciate the work that you do as well, Dave. Folks, till we talk with you on another podcast or in another video, please make sure that whatever you do between now and the next time we talk, keep it healthy, positive, and proactive.